We're back once again, Neil, back in the studio. Master Keys Podcast, episode 15, Neil Andrino and Chandler. Yep. We just recorded an emergency episode yesterday, so we're still coming down off that buzz. Yeah, we were a little bit uh, fired up due to some changes in the proposed rules. Yep. Uh, we, we may have cast some ballots based on what we were told, and somehow they changed that last minute. I Our, was misled by a politician. Yeah. I can't believe it. Can't believe I that can't happened. Believe it. Never would have thought it. Who would have thunk? But yeah, things are still um, kind of settling in on that. I think there's going to be more more stuff come out about it. There's going to be more ramifications, both both good and bad. Uh, I think I've calmed down a little bit from my uh, my the blood pressure was high yesterday. You were a little angry yesterday. I don't know if angry was the word. I was waving my hands and I was like, <laughs> "All right, next topic. We got to move on to the next topic." Yeah, and you had you slammed the desk a few times, but yeah, I'm I'm just a, a, an impassioned speaker. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, so I no. just. I mean, you know, it's important to get get fired up about stuff sometimes. No, it is good to care about these things. And if you don't voice your opinion, then realistically nothing will ever change. Yeah. So I respect that. But what are we doing today? We have a special guest for us with us today. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a guest uh, from out west who's going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, different market conditions because we've been very fortunate here to have a strong seller's market. And I suppose that's fortunate or unfortunate, depending on what side of the, the margin you're on there. Yeah. Um, but we've even talked about the idea of the market slowing down. And I don't know, what, what are you seeing there right now? Moment it's, by moment here, we're coming to the end of October. I see like the market's still strong. and But I think the biggest concern we're facing right now is like disgustingly low levels of inventory. Yeah. Like crazy, crazy, crazy low, like a yep. one month inventory. And it's causing like prices just continue to go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a little soft if we actually had the inventory. Yeah, there was a little rush there, seems, with uh, in, in September where all of a sudden inventory ticked up and uh, there were less individuals coming from out of province. So all of a sudden buyers had that moment where they could be a lit- little more, I don't know, they had a bit more options. They, they, they a could bit be more a bit more selective. Yeah, a bit more selective. Um, and. Yeah. The this the one they all selected would go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they would have like four homes to choose from, and they all chose the same one, yeah. and it would still go crazy. But the others would maybe I don't want to say slide through the cracks, but but trade for perhaps lower than they would have earlier in the year. Reasonable money. Yeah, and then that supply just once again dried up. So completely. Um, and the immigration and migration resumed at an unprecedented level. That? Yeah. You, well, the, the, just the numbers. The numbers show. Yeah. In the in that Q two, it was kind of quiet, and then Q three came on, and it was just like. We like did like quadruple. Like in Q two, we had two thousand from other provinces, and then eight thousand in Q three. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense because Q two was the height of our COVID second shook. lockdown, third lockdown. I don't know. We Ooh. we locked stuff down here. <laughs> we like the lockdown. We like to lock it down in Nova Scotia. Yeah. So, so. anyways, we have quite a market uh, out west. It's a little different depending on where you're at, and yep. so we are bringing on Matt Pfeiffer, um, who goes by the Bald Prairie Real Estate Agent. Yeah. And uh, so he's on with us today. Thanks very much, yeah, guys, yeah. for having so, me on. Ma- yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, and kind of, well, we we kind of connected with you because of your online presence, which is really strong, and these market updates across the country, which I found myself kind of checking in on because often our market now is no longer in a vacuum. It was in a vacuum for years, and now people are asking about these other areas. So that's kind of how I came across you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a real estate agent from Royal Page in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I started the YouTube channel. I called it Bald Prairie Real Estate as a play on the fact that I have no hair, and I'm from Saskatchewan. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny little play on the words there. 
Um, and my wife was the one who kind of said, hey, do this. It's, it'd be something you'd be good at. And I mean, my first videos were terrible, but it's been fun. And I started originally just doing Regina market updates. And I went, well, let's talk about a few other cities. And so I started phoning people from across the country and tell me about your market. And now I've got national updates. We've got 11 different markets I cover and I do them each and every single month. And it's been really fun. And yeah, that's how we connected was you guys reaching out to me. And it's awesome to see that people are, are checking it out from across the country. Yeah, totally. And and we encourage people to check Matt out and his production value is light years ahead of ours. We yeah. joke like we want to be like Matt when we grow up and yeah. who knows five years from now when uh Big time. when uh, Neil's fully bald will be the bald <laughs> East Coast yeah, Realtor. Yeah. I was gonna say, give me another couple of years, it'll be fine. We can do the receding East Coast Realtor for now. Yeah. Well if you check out my first videos, the production vet quality is pretty terrible. I started originally shooting on an iPhone, so that's where I came from. Well, no people way. come for the content, right? So, yeah. um, speaking of which, uh, Neil, you've got some topics here just to kind of check us in. And I think it's going to be great for people here to, to learn a little bit about how things are going um, across the country, but then also take some lessons to maybe apply here. Yeah, exactly. So I think my objective with today, uh, Matt, and just for everyone listening, is to kind of discuss what the difference is when the market's not like what we have. We've almost forget now because it's been almost two and a half, three years of strong yeah. market growth. It's been two years of like ridiculous market growth and about three to four of like consistent growth. Um, and so people are starting to forget what it means. And there's been so many new people who are just entering like young buyers and people that this is yeah. all they know. So they kind of assume that this is what the market is. Um, yeah. So I think today what we're going to try and do is, is chat with Matt and get his his take on, on the market that he he's dealt with where it's been, uh, like you've said you've said to me, Matt, it, it's, it's been flatlined for a lot of years and there's even been years where you've seen people, they buy a house and then they go to make their transition and un, as unfortunate as it is, they might have to sell at a slightly lower price point or the equivalent price point to what they paid. Um, and so... So that's that's something we want to we want to talk about. So I guess right off the hop, like we talked about really quick here, our inventory level right now just got quoted at uh, 1.7 months, and I don't know cool. if you have the exact number there for yourself, but what are you seeing right now? And you said things are ticking up there now, but um, what are you seeing on the inventory side of things and pricing? Yeah, so we basically in 2012 we peaked yeah. out, and then we saw a significant correction down, about 25% citywide in terms of 25? prices. So fairly substantial. And we'll break Ooh. into that a little more. 25% was our citywide benchmark price change. Damn. Negative 25%. Um, but yeah, we can break into that yeah. a little later. In terms of where we're at market right now, we finally, in about the end of 2019, started to kind of hit up a little bit of an upswing. Uh, we're right now in the city of Regina, about three and a half months of inventory, which for us is very mm -hmm. low. Yeah. Uh, we're, there's many months where you're six, seven, eight months of inventory sitting out there. So uh, to be in that position is very different for us for the last few years. It is segmented though, single family homes, uh, and for us, price points of about 350 to 500 is still really hot and only about a month or two of inventory, whereas other segments, it's more like four so, or five. So tell me, I always think of Halifax as really unique because you know, it, its main driving force is the fact that there's a peninsula surrounded by water on three sides. So real estate values there are always really, really strong. And then there's the fact that we've got the military, we've got the universities, we've got the hospitals, we've got big government, public sector. What are kind of the driving forces in Good your lobster. market? So Regina is a government town too. Uh, provincial capital and a lot of federal uh, government jobs, RCMP barracks there. But we are very heavily commodity right. driven. So obviously the agriculture market, everybody thinks about that. Uh, we have a significant oil market as well. 
Potash is another one which is used as a fertilizer. Uh, we also have a significant energy market in uh, uranium as yeah. well. And agriculture isn't just wheat crops as well. We do a ton of uh, pulse crops, so lentils, that type of stuff. It's something like a third of the world's lentil supply just comes out of Saskatchewan alone. Get those lentils. Well, lentils from Saskatchewan, really? Yeah, if you're looking no. for lentils, most likely they're coming from Saskatchewan. I like lentils. This is why I've always worried about some of these other markets when people ask me about Halifax, Boom, Bust, and why did we never go through any big swings until recently? Mm-hmm. Like, we were always like this. Um, and it was because we were driven primarily by things that, you know, boom or bust, whatever's going on in, in, in maybe the private economy, the um, commodities, like, we weren't super affected because those hospitals aren't going anywhere, those universities aren't going anywhere and so on. Um, but the 2012, was that like petroleum based? A whole bunch of things kind of hit us at the same time. Uh, so 2012, obviously oil, that was basically the peak of the oil market. And then the other big export mm. that we have is potash. And there is a kind of a Canadian conglomerate that for the most part acts as a cartel in the country here and exports potash, but also overseas there was a Russian slash Eastern Bloc cartel that fell apart and all of a sudden they started flooding the market and that tanked our potash prices. So we got hit with those two and then uh, we got hit hard with lentil exports. We lost uh, the biggest export market we have, which is India. In 2015, there was a little bit of a political snafu that really hurt our exports. They put massive tariffs on. So we kind of got kicked a few times in a row with our commodity market. Man, that's so interesting to me because we don't, I mean, there was the fisheries that that drove the economy here for a long time and there was mining and things like that. And then we slowly got away from that. Like we're less We're very government reliant at this point now, which is like, that's why we, I think we've always just kind of paced inflation because it's almost like government hands out inflation-based raises. Yep. And our other big industries, like, so we have shipbuilding, shipbuilding here. Yeah, and we had a spike but, in 2012 because we got this big contract and people thought they were going to get and, rich, but it wasn't that big of a thing. No, but they, it is one of the bigger private employers here. Is, yep. is, and it's in the subsidiaries to yep. the shipbuilding. Um, but realistically, the contracts are government hoarded. So it kind of is another government it's base. Yeah. It's basically public money that's, that's funding that entire operation. Yeah. So I think that's what's always kind of kept things... Oh my gosh, I should say that our, Kosher. our our container and our shipping, our port is a huge part of our business Very too, true. right? And then with all those things, because they've come together, we became kind of the commerce capital of Atlantic Canada. Um, and then most recently this year, I don't know what, like in 2019, we started to come up with, because of improved immigration and in, like lower boring rates, and then of course the pandemic hit and stuff. What have you... What do you attribute your, your last little rise to? Yeah, you said since what, what's made that change now that's causing things to tick? A big part of it is just we finally hit bottom, I think. Uh, the economic conditions that were hurting us, you know, oil basically bottomed out in prices and is slowly, outside of recently, has been kind of slowly recovering or people just got used to the new normal on that. Uh, we have had some strong years of agriculture. Um, pulse crops, again, same thing. We've kind of stabilized there potash like all of those things that got kicked in you know down the road quite a bit or, or beat up on prices we kind of just hit that new bottom price and it's living working its way up so people have got used to that uh that was a big difference there so just okay if we're dealing with 60 dollar you know oil now we know how to deal with 60 dollar oil um that's been the big right. thing right. you learn to stabilize at that point now and you're saying that bottom price what is like your your market average right now uh, in Regina for price point. So composite benchmark price for everything put all together is about two seventy five. Uh, but if you want to break okay. it out to all the individuals, I've got it right here. Uh, so single family is about yeah. two eighty. 
Uh, townhouses about 230 and uh, apartments about 180 there for that. So wow. when you're talking to buyers in a market like this, because I can imagine it's hard conversation with the sellers, depending on you're up, you're down, you're sideways, whatever. But when we're talking to a buyer in this situation, what do you tell them about, is this an opportunity? Is Do you view the idea of home ownership differently? Because when you were able to say, hey, listen, you're going to put along at your 3% a year, it's easy to explain to a buyer the merits of purchasing. But what about in a market like yours? You know, What, what can you tell them right now? Well, right now is different the conversation I was having two years ago when prices were declining and that was a completely different conversation. But, you know, now it's okay. We're finally through that ugly rut that we had where prices were declining and that was, you know, you were pretty apprehensive about buying maybe and you were making the decision to buy because it was a lifestyle choice versus an investment choice. Uh, now it's okay, I'm going to buy a house and we're finally in a position where the house is going to appreciate or it sure looks like that's the direction things are going. Interesting. Right yeah, yeah, so I guess, because yeah, the, the I mean now, like it's, it's so easy now. Everyone wants to get in because everybody knows somebody that's made a bunch of money on their home or the idea, everyone's like, the idea of renting is so stupid because of our rental rates going to where they are. I guess the sentiment would have been very different for you guys where people probably would have seen some a lot more merit because the other thing is rental rates are probably a lot more reasonable like i don't know what would you say an average clean uh one or i would say a one bedroom and a two bedroom would go for in a decent location not hard of downtown but also not in a in a grade c neighborhood so like a newer townhouse you know 2010 type thing thousand square foot two bedroom two bathroom in a pretty good neighborhood uh 1300 would be a giveaway on it 1500 1600 would be kind of probably the higher end of that utilities would be on top so that's kind of that's a pretty nice place yeah, that's not you know that's actually not, I thought it was yeah. a little cheaper than to be honest. That, that, I guess for as a, as, a, as an investor, you're getting a reasonable return. I guess when you consider that our average house price in Halifax proper is probably double what you're saying for your benchmark composite there. Um, you know the rents kind of bear like your your rents actually might be closer to home ownership prices than ours. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because people buy here a bit on a on an upswing projection. Like we're having a difficult time now, more so telling buyers that, hey, this may not be going to pull back, at least not in, in the near future. We have some buyers who are saying, well, I don't want to get in now. Maybe I should wait till this thing goes down in price. I'm kind of like, I don't really know when that's going to happen. Um, so these are some of the conversations we're having. How do you, what do you tell people, buyers or sellers, when things are falling and, you know, you're trying to catch a falling knife here? When we were going through that declining market, it was tougher as an agent. Okay, now you got to wrap your head around instead of, you know, you guys are in that get them the darn house because if they don't get them that one, we got to go yeah. find another one. Whereas for us, it was, I got to get these guys as good a deal as I possibly can price point wise. And then also talking, them, yeah. okay, don't just buy the first house you find type of thing. You want to look for houses that mm-hmm. are in good neighborhoods that have something that's desirable about it. Maybe you're back in a park, you're close to schools, you're on a quiet crescent, you know, that type of thing. Because even in a declining market, those houses still sell well and they sell for better prices. Uh, so like I said, we dropped you know, 25%. If you look at different areas, you know, the core of our city, which is a, a rough or high crime neighborhood, uh, the prices there easily dropped 50%. Whereas higher end neighborhoods maybe wow. dropped 8%. So big, big difference there in terms of what happened. So if you were buying in a nicer neighborhood, not on the busy street, you know, that type of thing, you definitely got impacted a lot less. So did suburban sprawl fare better or worse during this? 
Like, you know, could the cookie cutter, they're all the same, but they're new. We got overloaded in condos more than anything else. Single family, yeah, we uh, were still high there, mm. especially two stories. But the condo market was what got absolutely hammered yeah, pretty much everywhere. Mm. And where they got hit the worst was anything that was an apartment rental converted to condos, 1960s era, 1970s era stuff oh, for yeah. us. Um, those got all converted during the boom. People made a pile of money. Uh, I remember when I first got in the business, I had a guy, we were selling one. 175 was the sale price, and he was so mad because I am giving this darn thing away. He was just pissed off even having to accept that offer at 175 And today, that same place is 105 So those guys got absolutely wow. beat up. Um, do, do, you, do, you, do you see a lot of foreclosures in that, in that then? Like, is there a lot of bank repo homes and stuff yes uh so saskatchewan actually still hit, sits the highest foreclosure rate in canada mm. we're about 0.8 percent foreclosure rate it How much? is heavily skewed though to prince albert and esteban 0.8 percent okay one in every hundred so yeah. that's our and then of that you know typically um or sorry that's delinquency rate not foreclosure rate and then of that about 50 yeah. percent actually end up in foreclosure but like I said, it's skewed heavily to Prince Albert and the Estevan areas. Prince Albert, you've got a heavy uh, logging sector there and uh, forestry. And then obviously Estevan is heavy, heavy oil influence there. So those two centers got hit really hard. Regina, Saskatoon, not nearly as much. Uh, but in terms of what is that in real numbers, 0.8%, it's about 1,000 properties. How the hell can anyone build a new property at these that. price do points. Do new? Is there new construction? Are there new homes? Uh, new construction got crushed when things went sideways. Uh, there was a yeah. point I was joking that the builders, it was like the Oprah Winfrey show because you could get everything. You were getting your deck, your fence, <laughs> yeah. your landscaping. There was literally at one point they were <laughs> totally. giving away cars. I'm not even kidding. Uh, and uh, a CMHC came in and said, you got to stop doing that. You can't give away a car with the purchase just of a house. The value it of can property. be a yeah, draw, yeah. but it can't be just Damn, buy a car get a, or buy a house, get a car. So mm. it was really tough as an agent to compete against that because these new houses were going for everything with it included. So as a buyer, you're going, well, heck, why would I buy Jeez. the used house when I could buy the brand new one? And get a car. So here, or I say here, the builders now won't even build the freaking house. Oh, now they sell you the contract, and they're oh like, my God. six months later, like, yeah, we're not going to build it, and we need an extra fifty grand. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? So Neil hasn't been in the in the game quite as long, no, nope. right? So no, Neil's enjoyed just like this trajectory of, of the market. <laughs> uh, I've been in a little bit longer, where you know there was the. 2007 was a big year, and then 8 and 9 and even 10 11 were like kind of slow. And then 2012, you had a good year. Then there's a little pullback. Um, there's been that kind of five-year ebb and flow. And there was times where the builders here would – I mean, they weren't giving away cars, but they were given $5,000 closing bonuses, extra commissions to agents who sold them, you know, maybe a TV, things like that. Um, and now – yeah, you can't change a light bulb. My my first new construction deal, I got them to throw in this like ten thousand dollar appliance package, all this like okay. up, upgraded hardwood staircase. But that was right when I started, like right, yeah, yeah. and that was right or yeah. before things went nuts. Yeah. And then my most recent new construction deal, they both are offered us ten grand to buy the contract back. <laughs> wow. Not not yeah. not as a bonus, but he wants the contract back because he wants to resell the house for another yeah. hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, so. Obviously, now you've got – you're starting to recover, and that's awesome. Glad glad to hear it. Um, how does this – when the market collapses like that, 
are like, how do you even rent a place? Because at some point, it's got to be cheaper to buy these homes, even if they're depreciating in value, than to rent. Like, what's the rental market like there? Uh, we're about seven and a half, eight percent vacancy rate right now. Uh, it's obviously fairly high, and compared to other markets, yeah. they think that's insanity. Um, but yeah, we're, again, we're lot. starting to kind of dig out of that hole slowly because new construction got shut down and specifically condos, they basically halted construction on that. So we took time to absorb that inventory. Uh, there is, I would call it a, a bit of a shadow inventory. It's existed for quite a while where guys were stuck with those places. They are renting them out and maybe not making much on them or anything, but at least they weren't bleeding horribly on them. And then as prices have come up, you start seeing those things pop on the market because guys want to get out of them. So we we did expect that, you know, even when things started to pick up here, we would have more listings come on market because there was guys that were trying to get out but just couldn't at the time. Uh, but yeah, right. there was a point yeah. where, you know, you're looking at going, I can rent for X amount and I can buy for X amount. And those are pretty close. And a lot of people did make that decision. It even still exists today in terms of it's pretty close in terms of cost to purchase something versus cost to rent something. Yeah. What are things like in, in the rest of the province? So Saskatoon is a little bit of a bellwether, and that is because it's a bigger center, a little bit more, I would call it entrepreneurial. Uh, you've got that less of the government influence, more of the professional type of experience there. Yeah, you've got the university, which is a massive driver there. University of Saskatchewan is mm. about thirty-five to 40,000 students in a town of 325,000 people, so pretty big influence Jesus. there. Yeah, and it's got basically every program under the sun, whether you want to go veterinary, medicine, basic arts, business, yeah. like it's, it covers everything essentially there. Agriculture, you know, one of the only agriculture uh, institutions in the country, I think actually. So they kind of got everything. You can go and do everything there. Um, and so they're a driver. Prince Albert is been in a rut for, it seems like forever. Uh, that'd be the third biggest city. Estevan and Weyburn, which are oil producing areas, those guys, went through a massive boom. Prices went nuts. Everything went crazy. And then pretty much the carpet got pulled off underneath them and they're still trying to recover there. Uh, and then you've got a lot of smaller hmm. centers beyond that. What do you, what, how has this changed your outlook when you see these other areas of the country doing so well? Because obviously you do these nationwide market updates and you see these markets doing this. Yep. What, what are you saying in your own head to yourself when you see that? Boy, it's awesome to live in Saskatchewan where I can live a whole lot cheaper than everywhere else can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. true. We, yeah, that's what we said here, too. We said that, that for a while here. That was the concept. That's what we always said here, too. And now everyone's like, I don't know if it's cheaper anymore. Um, do you have, like, a, a market? Like, I find here there's a very big market of young people getting into the rental market, like a really strong demand for rental units to, to own them. Um yeah, I mean, do you have like is there is there like what like I guess uh, do people like, own or occupy there? Like is that a thing? Like I want to yeah. have a duplex, I want a house hack, or people like you know what houses are so cheap. Is, I that, need. is that going on? Yes, it does. But again, with the cost of buying being as attractive as it is, most people that are buying are going. To. I can afford to buy this. So let's take mm -hmm. a mid nineteen sixties to mid seventies bungalow, thousand square feet, three bedroom, two bathroom. Double detached garage, you know, that's going to go for three to three fifty. At three fifty, we kind of on the higher end of a price point for that. Well, that's a nice house in a nice neighborhood, and mm -hmm. you know, again, you know, fifteen thousand dollars down ish to buy that thing. Uh, your payments today, you know, fourteen hundred bucks a month type of thing. So mm -hmm. that starts getting pretty attractive. Uh, so why you don't really need to house hack necessarily when you can do right. that. 
Yeah, and you know, if there is if there is vacancy issues and stuff like that, anyways, like it's probably like here again. It seems like house hacking just, it's just like oh, I put a basement apartment in. It's like a guaranteed hundred percent. You're having income there, but like yeah, if and you're spread it, out of necessity to some degree. Yeah, and um, that's what it has become because nobody. Yeah, exactly. When I first started, nobody talked about buying a bungalow and throwing a basement apartment in. Now every single young couple I have, they buy a house and like. We, we got to throw a basement apartment in here because we paid. Yeah, Air, Airbnb is, has been a thing here. It sounds like what's going on there, you probably don't have as much of an Airbnb situation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's still there. Uh, no doubt about it. Regina wouldn't be quite as tourism driven as Saskatoon. Yeah, Saskatoon definitely has a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Bigger center, a little bit more to do. Definitely a more attractive, pretty city. Saskatoon's beautiful. And then, of course, the university yeah. market there. Yeah. Right. Do you- I was going to say, do you also, on that same note of like um, a lot of young guys getting into it, is there also some bigger, bigger player landlords that are like consistently buying, building, going on still, even though that the market's like that? Is there, is there companies that are really still fairly aggressive in, in continuing to grow their, their portfolios? Yeah, starting to now, you're starting to see the investors come back to the market. You know, you've got your bigger guys like your boardwalks and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also yeah. a lot of local guys that have got a lot more doors than I think people would expect. Okay. What is and just out of curiosity, what does like a, a 15 unit B grade building trade for per door? Like, what's a good deal or an okay deal? You know what? I'd have to refer. I got a buddy of mine, and I should have had those numbers offhand, but I don't. No worries. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I mean, it, it changes so fast. To be honest, like, well, at least here it's been nuts. So when you're seeing. A correction or even an upswing like that. I mean, you talked 50% in some areas or what have you, uh, or a 25% drop. Over what kind of period of time are you talking? So we went, 2012 basically we peaked, and 2019 we dropped, so about seven to eight years there. Uh, so that correction happened over that time frame. It uh, wasn't right. overnight. It was just a continual decline for eight years. And I was lucky enough that's exactly when I started the business was 2012, so I got to ride the wave all the way down. <laughs> yeah I, I, that sounds a little better though when he first said the 25 percent in my head i was like one night your house is four hundred thousand. the next morning it's three hundred thousand. yeah not yeah, overnight but when you think about <laughs> when you think about that 25 percent loss against you know the the, the overall national inflation like it, it's actually more than a 25 percent real money it's swing yeah. when you think about people's life savings and and uh say you owned the same house for those seven years and you were nearing retirement um you've just really got to hit you know hit in the stomach uh, how does that work are people upside down in their houses then yep i know a lot of people that write checks to walk away from houses Wh- like Sorry, that I'm just was a real a meltdown thing. over here. Yeah. Just give me one quick yeah. second. <laughs> I saw that oh. reaction. Uh, yeah, guys that would what? have to write checks to walk away, write checks to just cover you know commissions and closing costs because there's nothing left for equity in the house. Um, oh yeah, God. and we talked a little bit about when we were had uh, Igor on our, our, our mortgage broker buddy, and and remember the days when you know you could go zero down and you know C- big CMHC premiums, and you're starting at 106 percent. Right financing, and then you drop twenty five points out of the market. Whew. Are you allowed to do five percent and all that stuff still out there? to see oh, yeah. still... these loans get insured? Yeah, five percent. Like um, standard what? doesn't change. You can do five percent down. So yeah, yeah, there were people that you put your five percent down, pay your four percent CMHC premium, and you own a grand total of one percent of the house. And you start day one, and all of a sudden, if it drops in value, yeah, you're taking Drip. a beating. Drip. Oh my god. I'm just completely broken over here. Like, so I, I said, kind of, you, you kind of joked about 
how uh, you know you like that at least it's affordable to live there. But jokes aside, do you have some anxiety when you look at these other markets and say, oh, they don't know what's coming? I mean, you've seen these other markets though that have seemed to be steadily increasing with no end in sight. What do you think about that as someone who observes these things across the board? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously if you went down like we did, we were one of the worst hit in the country. Uh, Us in Alberta probably got beat up the worst. And so I know what it's like now. It will also look at what happened economically to create that situation. Uh, it's not just like all of a sudden prices are going to change overnight because, oh, you know, it went up, it has to come down. There has to be some underlying economic condition. And you look at the job losses. Uh, like I think in mm-hmm. Alberta, there was 100,000 job losses there. It was staggering mm-hmm. what happened in Saskatchewan. wouldn't have been near that big just because we're smaller. But proportionately, probably very similar in terms of job losses, we took a beating economically. Um, you know, you, you lose 5,000 jobs in Ontario and the government freaks out. You lose 100,000 in Alberta and nobody thinks about it. So, you know, we took yeah. an absolute beating there on that. Unemployment skyrocketed. Uh, it, was, it was tough. It, it was very tough. So what is the outlook then towards, well, two things. You know, what are governments trying to do to bring business to the area? And two, how does that impact the way you think about migration? both losing young people, but also bringing in new people. Because here we love, you know, we were fighting for years to get some net positive migration, especially with respect to our young people leaving for Alberta or leaving for northern uh, Saskatchewan. And now they've all come back a lot of times with a lot of money. Um, But also we're, you know, our government has put a real push on bringing in uh, immigrants from outside of the country. And it's been great for our economy. It's been great for business, but it must be a different outlook. in your market yeah they've tried to diversify <clears throat> excuse me here sorry in saskatchewan we definitely do not rely as much on oil as alberta does it's a much smaller footprint um you mm-hmm. know agriculture is a much bigger more important thing for us you add in yep. you know the energy sector whether it's oil and gas but also like i said uranium is big potash is big so they've tried to diversify commodity wise that way um which has helped it was just unfortunate that basically every commodity turned negative at about the same time. And that's what really hurt us. Yeah. Whereas yeah. before it had been, you know, if oil was down, agriculture or potash were up, you know, and they typically tended to balance each other out. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason it went through the boom is they all went up at the same time. I mean, I think our government was doing, you know, budgets on a dollar or um, $25 a barrel for oil and all of a sudden it shot up to 125 uh, You know, potash, same thing, yeah. you know, quadrupled in value or something like that. So you get you hit kind of the grand slam all at one time. It does some pretty crazy things for your economy. Are you seeing uh, in general, like on your net migration? Are you seeing an inward overall, or we? I believe, and I don't mean immigration, just migration in within the within Canada. Interprovincial, I mean, we're losing. Dodge a little bit. I believe we're losing. Yeah, uh, yeah. we are gaining though because of international migration. And that was going to be my next thing. So, so then, yeah, on the immigration front, are you guys getting a, a fair number of people coming in? Uh, I guess like we have like what's called the APP here, the Atlantic Pilot Program, which gives them like an expedited um, ability to receive a PR permanent residence. Uh, and it's done wonders for us. And that's been basically one of our big drivers. I say Canada's in the business of people like I, we we aren't necessarily major producer of anything on a world on a like global scale. Yeah. We well not, not to be terrible, like downplaying it, but like in general lentils. Uh, True, the We're lentils. Big on lentils. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have a lot of commodities. We but, do have a lot of commodities, yeah. but I don't think we necessarily harvest them as hard as a lot of other countries do, yep. uh, and as much as we necessarily could. Um, but 
so I, I always say we we a big part of our thing is immigration. And so are you seeing that there as well? I don't know. Is there like programs and stuff to help get people there and get the PR and those items? There is um, a, a internet or sorry a provincial body for immigration. I'm forgetting what the name of it is. There is a push to bring yeah. in. Uh, you know, we do have shortages, uh, pretty much like the rest of the country, in a lot of different sectors. Um, we're starting to see, I know in the city here, a couple of things that are big. There's three canola crushing plants, so for canola oil, uh, three of them that they're starting building on, that's going to be good, as well as the Jansen potash mine up by Saskatoon, which was like a $5 billion project, massive monstrous project. So we are starting to see, again, some investment in the commodity sector kind of across the board. I know guys oil working in the oil sector are seeing, you know, going back to work and more hours available and stuff like that. So we're starting to see that come back. Interesting. Right um, put you just kind of like high level. Yep. What, what do you see in Alberta? I know I know that there's a big swing in, in Alberta, depending on where you go. But market at a glance, what are you seeing in, in your neighbor there? So oil recovery, how long this lasts? Obviously, we're seeing oil prices go through the roof as we're recording this. And gas prices, you know, it's about a million dollars to fill up your truck right now. But uh, that will stabilize man, at some that, point. <laughs> Shaking when oil went down, I was like, man, I should just put a bunch of money in oil. And I didn't. <laughs> Neil did. Two hands up for Neil. Oh, man. I, I had all these people come to me like, hey, so we think we might get a second property. I'm like, you bastard. You bought into oil. Because <laughs> <laughs> So it's doing well in Alberta? They're, I, again, similar position to we are. They have slowly dug themselves out of a hole. I would still be a little bit more concerned because they do have still a heavy reliance on oil, but they are, they're almost more diversified and not more diversified than Saskatchewan. We're very diversified in commodities. They're more diversified in other sectors like your tech, like tourism, stuff like that, that we don't have quite as much of. So they have a heavy reliance on oil, but a little bit more diversified for the rest of it. Uh, For us, if commodity prices are doing well, Mm. we're going to do fine. Um, Calgary, they're doing pretty well. They got beat up. Uh, Edmonton, government town, a lot more stable than Calgary is. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously up north and uh, your oil areas, your Athabasca, oil sands areas, those places really, really got beat up badly. Um, but the cities themselves yeah. are doing better. Yeah, I think Fort Max is a bit of an upswing. I know a few of my friends just moved there and they said it's the same kind of thing. Like they moved in right when things bottomed out. And which was about maybe whatever, six, eight months ago, almost a year ago now, which is probably even a little more, but, uh, it's coming back around cause they said a lot of companies are wanting to get back on the, on the train and they're shipping people up. And so people are buying houses, buying houses, buying houses. Yeah. We're seeing it slowly come do back. Do you think, do you guys do individuals between your provinces look at substitution between, Hey, I could live in Alberta. I could live in Saskatchewan and make these moves for an affordable life alternative or, or. I guess the other question is for feeling that there's greener pastures somewhere else. There was a long period of time where, okay, kid, you want to go make your fortune and go out west to Alberta? And there was the sad mm-hmm. joke, the last person leaves Saskatchewan, please turn out the lights. That has definitely changed. <laughs> um, during our boom. That was like, yeah, half the population of Cape Breton was in Alberta. That was a joke yep. as well. Yeah. Uh, there was a time, though, I remember, I'm going to say probably about eight or nine years ago, that there was billboards in Calgary saying that if you lived in Regina, you'd be home by now because obviously a much smaller center, much shorter commute. There's actually billboards out advertising for basically no for Saskatchewan way. and moving there. Um, so that was always wow. entertaining to see that, uh, you know, much smaller cities, 
uh, better prices, uh, that type of stuff. We should throw one of those up in Toronto. Yeah. Yep. Everyone goes to Toronto and they're probably driving for an hour and a half and you're like, if you were in Halifax, you would be home 10 times over. You drive an hour and a half in Regina and you're in a different city. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do you see in these markets, and again, we're kind of leaning on you because obviously you're specifically an expert in your area, but you also do these market uh, check-ins across the board. Do you see this idea of maybe the second go around when these markets hit an upswing, people are a little bit more reserved? Maybe I don't want to say learned a lesson last time or something like that. Um, Or is it just new round of buyers starting fresh and it just seems to be the same process? Yeah, I know the biggest challenge for me was when the market shifted and it shifted very quickly was buyers having the mindset it's still a buyer's market when it wasn't. That was a really tough right. adjustment mm-hmm. and it was tough for the buyers. And it was tough for me as an agent to go, hey, it's no longer get the best deal. It's get the house because it's going to yep. be gone if you don't. So that was tough. Yep. I do think there are enough people because it was not that long ago that the prices were declining that they still remember that. Uh, so I think there is still mm-hmm. some hesitancy, but even in bad markets, good houses sell. So I tell my buyers, if you're paying you know, a high price or a top dollar for a house, but it's a good house and good neighborhood, um, that doesn't worry me as much of a, as a buyer's agent because I know that even in a bad market, if we got to get it sold, it's going to sell better than the busy one across from the strip mall that's got the bus stop in front of it type of thing. I think that's something that we probably should even be f- more focused on here is, is really paying attention to the, some of the smaller details. I think a lot of that's getting forgotten now where people are just like, I need a house. And sometimes we look past like, okay, like yeah. it's not on the greatest street or your lot's half the size of your neighbor's because of whatever way and you're backing on to what's about to be an apartment building and they're so hell-bent on getting a house. And like, well, that one's over 350 and I'm on the same street and it's effectively the same house and I'll pay 350 But And right yeah. now it's all good and because you can just keep turning them over, no problem. It's but a if, challenge, we, yeah. if we slow down, then like you're saying, these finer details of like where your house sits on a street, what your yard's like, like what type of school you have, yeah, a lot of those things might actually end up playing a big, a much bigger factor than they are now because everyone seems to be willing to just stomach anything. Yeah, does it have one of those one or two intangibles that in a down market people are still gonna are gonna be drawn towards? And does it have a um, buyer it's tricky. for it? Like, yeah. buy yeah. the house that has a wide selection of people that will look for that. The unique stuff is super cool, but how many people are going mm-hmm. to pay for that in the future? And if you're in a position where yeah. maybe population is decreasing or prices are decreasing, the house that has that wider appeal with those awesome intangibles, that's a lot more saleable than the unique house that you overpaid for. Neil's excited about something. Uh, Go ahead. You know what? You know where I learned this, Matt? You're 100%. He's 100% right. When I started selling cars. I love sports cars. Yeah. So the first few cars that I bought were all sports cars to resell, and I couldn't friggin' sell them. And I was like, what the frig's going on? I was well, like, what? Why doesn't everyone like this two-door mer- red Mercedes? Like, why does that, yeah, why does everybody not want this car? And I'm like, I want this car badly. And then I realized, like, <laughs> wait a second, the yeah. traffic isn't made up of two-door Mustangs. It's yeah. four-door, like, Corollas. Like, that's, yeah. and yeah. SUVs, no, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, it's it, you got to buy what people actually, you got to sell what people actually want, you know, buy what people actually want. So, anyways, just to double down on what you said there, it's, it's funny you say that. Are there any markets um, that, that are also kind of, well, are there any markets that are, are struggling that we maybe wouldn't have thought of uh, or, or that you don't hear about across the country that you know of that are, are kind of down a little bit? Because everything we hear, like we're just consumed in our own little market of up, 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 and you still hear that Toronto's relatively strong and that 
you know, Vancouver is up and all these things. What else? What other highlights would you, would you say? I mean, people can walk, watch your full uh, analyses as they come out, but what other highlights that you got? Yeah, everybody talks about Vancouver, Toronto, Halifax, Montreal, Ottawa. I think that's, and the, the country is consumed with those prices. As soon as you start stepping mm. outside of there, the picture dramatically changes. I think, for example, if you take the benchmark mm. price in Canada, which is, I don't know, $750,000, take out Toronto, Vancouver, yep. pretend they don't exist. I think it drops two hundred grand. You know, overnight type of thing. I believe it. Yeah. Really? Yes. They're, really? they're skewing that pretty big, man. Huge I know. sample size I guess and big outliers. Yeah. Right? To is the, probably the biggest yeah. one. It's such a big city. Yeah. We talked a bit about Holy that because um, the CMHC ratings came out and they they viewed us as high risk here. And I think our average price point was, do you recall, four seventy range? Let's yeah. Four sixty. Four somewhere upper four hundreds. Yeah. And but nationwide, we still had so much to go relative to the average. But you're saying that average, of course, is mightily uh, skewed by those those two markets. Yeah, you, you wow. take those out. It's skewed it that hard. Oh, sorry. What's that? Sorry. Go ahead. I just didn't realize how that it was that dramatic. Oh, it's yeah. massive. Like again, like when I do my market updates. Okay, so let's Vancouver, Toronto, million plus is your benchmark price there. Yeah. You go to Calgary, four sixty. Go to Edmonton, three eighty, something like that. Saskatoon. Calgary and Edmonton are that cheap. That's the greater Edmonton area inside the city's probably really? about four hundred ish, four and a quarter. No way. Um, Saskatoon, three and a quarter. Regina, two seventy five. <laughs> we are in a bubble. Oh, <laughs> we are getting pricey. Time here. to list everything. I'm over it. <laughs> the prairies are wow, different. Okay. The prairies are, I would say, your most affordable options in Canada. Again, outside of. Your, your small centers, um, but I'm talking major yeah, cities, mm-hmm. uh, and I do consider Calgary, Edmonton, you know, major centers, obviously huge, yeah, those are huge cities. Sure. Winnipeg's yeah. a bigger city. Yeah, big bigger than us. Um, and obviously Regina, Saskatoon are smaller, but the prairies in general are, are cost effective. Interior BC is still pretty warm there, but there are some pockets of really good stuff in the interior. Um, Northern Ontario, obviously the prices are different there. Uh, Manitoba, same type of thing. Manitoba, although they've been, and especially Winnipeg, has been picking up a lot, they still have been kind of a consistent plot along, not like skyrocketing type trajectories. Right. Do, uh, this is a kind of a shift, but do you see people doing, you're familiar with the, the Burr method? You heard that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you, Chandler's laughing at that. He loves the, the acronym. Yeah. But um, do you see people doing that? Do you see guys doing that out there? Yeah, we do. It's, it's been tougher because I've always believed Burr relies on appreciating prices. And if you don't have yeah, appreciating yeah. prices at pretty good numbers, Burr doesn't work. And so... Well, you need a gap. Yeah. 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 And, you know, if, if for us, obviously, declining market, it's never going to work. Uh, appreciating if, you know, we've had a good run and we're still only up about 8% from last year, which was up about 7% from the year before. So we've made up about okay. half of the losses that we had. But mm-hmm. uh, if you're only seeing one, two, three percent, which 2% a year was pretty typical in Regina for the longest time, we were very consistent. Again, government town, basically pay it to inflation. Yep, yeah. I think that's a lot tougher to burr something when you don't have those crazy price increases uh, to go along with it. it. It also sounds like your market is a little bit more condensed. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Like here, we've got such a widespread between multi multi million dollar properties 
and still things at the lower end of our market, which is probably around 200,000. And for years, it was 15 hard. 15 minutes apart. Yeah, yeah. And it was hard to flip properties for a while because the absolute train wreck of a property would be 160 in, in, in a little area, say. And then you could get a beautiful home for 270. So it's like, how could you really make that model work? And it's only when our market started to gap like, okay, the, the property needing a complete overhaul might be 225, but then the nice home could yield 450. Yeah. Then you start to be able to do it. Like, do you have that gap? It doesn't sound like you have that large of a gap. No. Property. So for us, if you take from 200 to 400 thousand dollars, that's probably 60 to 70 percent of all our sales in our city in that little 200 thousand dollar window. Now there's a big difference between mm-hmm. two and 400 thousand dollars, but. Uh, like yeah. you said, you know, a, a house in the you know in the hood in a rough area town in Regina, you're 150. But and I know that maybe sounds silly, but 300 buys you a darn nice house in the city. So again, there's not right. everybody that has the budget mm-hmm. for 300, and yeah, I understand that. That being said, in my mind, I've always yeah, felt you can't do a renovation. 300 is a achievable price point for somebody who has a good stable job a couple that's an absolute no problem for them you know you got two people in the public sector that's going to be easy for them to get into so Mm -hmm. you know you can buy some awfully good houses you know plus or minus 50 grand off of 300 basically so yeah there's not that i guess that spread like you talk about and we don't have a ton of super high-end like houses like sales over eight hundred thousand. you might see Mm -hmm. 50 in a busy year Maybe, and we sell okay. three thousand houses in a year. I don't know how many houses we sell here a year, but I thought it said like two years ago, twenty eighteen, maybe we only sold nine houses over a million bucks. That sounds. Well, that seems way off. No, that's got to be in a really given area. Um, maybe it was a month. Maybe it was a month. Yeah, but, we we didn't have a lot of million dollar sales because there there's a. Um, a site here, all Nova Scotia, that would at the end of the year would list the highest sales of the year, like the top ten. It wasn't crazy. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm sorry. You used to see more of those numbers, just over a million, one three, one four. Last couple of years, it's going to be like, all right, well, this place six and a half, six and a half, and you know, yeah. um, and down from there. Like, I, I don't think the top ten would be under like one six this year. Oh one, no, it wouldn't eight. be under two million. Wouldn't be under two million, yeah. No, no chance. There's yeah, a, yeah there's a, there's a there's a like like Jan said, the way our geography works in the city, it forces the prices in these good neighborhoods to go nuts because there's just absolutely no option because you're surrounded by water. Right? Like where yeah. we have the peninsula, the very deepest point of the peninsula is priced the highest. And so you yeah. just can't build unless you were to like fill in the ocean. Uh yeah. to, to to kind of bring that price down. And so those homes just continue to get stupider and stupider. There's there's a yeah. lot and then they there's float a lot the for sale for four yeah. million. A yeah. single family home lot. It's four four point two million. Yeah. Right? Like but then like you said with, lot, it, with it, a very nice Beautiful lot. lot. But if anyone wants to see the lot just let's <laughs> we'll walk in. <laughs> um but and then literally fifteen minutes away you, you can find yourself a house probably for like two fifty. Three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah. I yeah. guess now. Depends but, on traffic too. Getting off the peninsula can be a bit tricky. Yeah. In traffic times. Um so I'm gonna keep yanking back to the rental side of things just because I'm like completely blown away and that's where my headspace tends to go. Um for the big landlords, like how like are there landlords like do they do more stuff to attract clientele like i i was saying this to someone yesterday like it's funny here now you can literally do anything like you don't have to do any anything special for the tenants and you will consistently fill your units um but some of our big landlords have always put in place like community-based things like i can say well kill them for example who's the biggest landlord here they are very community oriented in all of their buildings they have 
uh, get-togethers, and they offer all these perks, and they have kill em cards that offer perks around the city. And Vita all that. does that as well. Like they give you a rebate if you buy your first car, if you yeah. get a new job, if you get into university and stuff like that. It's super cool, actually. And people are, are not really paying much attention to it right now because right now it's more the desperation of getting a unit. Yeah. And or if you're a landlord, you don't need to do it because there's so many people that desperately need a unit that it doesn't matter. Um, but again, in a market where there is a bit of vacancy, are you seeing like those kind of things that take place? And that's what's kind of allowing the be- bigger maybe or the better landlords to grow and maintain a, a lower average vacancy across their, their board? We, I would say, are still very dominated by the local landlord. Your ma and pa type operations. We don't have a ton of massive commercial style enterprises, you know, with rents. There's the boardwalks, there's, you know, those exist. That's mm-hmm. a big one out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of stuff is a lot quieter and maybe less sophisticated is the best word to use there because you've got local yeah. guys that are doing that. Um, but, you know, there'd be a local guy, you had no idea that all of a sudden, holy crap, that guy's got 150 doors or 200 doors and you had no idea. Um, yeah. There's a couple of guys like that still operating around town here. So we got a lot of that. Um, and but you have to incentivize someone to rent. You'd think you, uh, you'd, you'd think you'd have to really try to. Even when our vacancy get... was like th- three or four percent, they were giving out free months' rent and crap. Yeah, yeah, you do TV. see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of it's competing on price for sure. There's a lot of that going mm-hmm. on. Um, but you do see stuff, you know, giveaways and things like that. Uh, one month free, two months free. So there is that stuff going on. But I think more of it's been competing on price. Um, the yeah. guys that had nice places, attractive to younger, you know, millennial types, those still did well as long as they showed well. You know, clean, light, nice, well, br- uh, bright, lit up, painted, you know, like yeah. you, you make it look good, you Fresh. will get money for yeah. it. If you let it, you know, in squalor and it looks like crap and it's in a bad neighborhood, well, you either got to count for it on price or expect a high turnover rate and lower vacancy or higher vacancy, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, on that same note and on the rental side, do you guys ever, like it's, since it's such a hot topic here, is there any sort of, I'm going to say affordable housing, but for the, on the rental side of things, is there any issues there? Because like you're saying, your rents aren't actually that too far off of ours. Um, is there just like a ton of availability too in the in the $700 a month? Like if you need a unit for 700 bucks a month, can you easily just pull it up on Kijiji or whatever the platform is and find yourself a unit? Or, or like is what there is cheap rent there? Is there, is oh, is there yeah, like yeah. a one bedroom in, I'd say a, a pretty mediocre type place, 700 bucks, definitely you can find that uh, versus, uh, you know, two bedroom, you're probably talking about 900. So that stuff exists all day long. Um, oh, wow. not okay. as good at areas for sure, but it definitely exists, you know, yeah, on the open market. Yeah. Uh, the stuff I'm talking about where, you know, 1200 to 1500, 1300, 600, you know, that is better, much better neighborhoods, you know, top end neighborhoods and fairly new stuff. Yeah. So, uh, that's a little right. bit of the higher okay. end of the market, I guess I'd call it without going into the extreme stuff. Okay. So yeah, you, you pretty much never, like it's, it felt like kind of a stupid question, but I just want to see if based on the way the inventory was laid out, if there just wasn't stuff necessarily on that. Cause I noticed the other thing I've noticed when I was looking through units, uh, in Alberta, the apartments all sell at 200 a door, um, just across the board. Just 200 a door. Just 200 a door. doesn't matter where it lays, just all of them are 200 a door. And so I was like, is it just mean everyone's just kind of renting for like 12, 1300 bucks and there's not really a $700 market. Do you know what I mean? Uh, even though they do have a little bit of vacancy? There's definitely stuff that's cheaper here. Uh, you know, $150, there, yeah. $120. i have seen yeah. that stuff. 
Right. Okay. Do you know, and this kind of put you on the spot here, did you know kind of the cap rates that CMHC is sort of reporting for Regina? I should have looked stuff? it up. It was on my list, and I don't know what it is yeah. offhand. No worries. I'm just kind of be curious. All good. Um, we're obviously leaning on you for information about um, the, the West Coast, or, or the prairies, rather. What are you hearing about our market here out of Easton? Do you have any questions about what's going on out here? Uh, I've heard it's utter insanity. And when I look at your sales in a month, you know, 600 sales in a month and 350 or 400 active listings, I just go, that's crazy. Like a big month for us is 400 sales. That's a monster month for us. And again, we're a smaller market. Yeah. So I always find yeah. that interesting and just how crazy. And, and looking at your inventory, I've been watching it basically dropping, essentially halving every single year for the last couple of years. And I mean, if you're watching it, you probably saw that coming. Totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people are like, oh my gosh, 2020 was so crazy. And I'm like, yeah, for those in the know, 2019 was crazy. Yeah. And 2018 was pretty damn good too. So we had a situation where it was like, all right, normally this time of year we'd have 4,000 listings. And it's like, oh, we only have 3,000. That's like, oh, we only have 2,500. Oh, we only have 1,500. And then we got down to a point at the initial pandemic where it was like, we had 750 homes available in a given area that just five, year pre five years previously We'd have like 4,000. Like mm -hmm. That is a massive swing. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. There's the, the demographics, the aging of our population, like the baby boomers going through. Um, you know, there's there's the pandemic. There was there were the rates and all, all these things. But it was a perfect storm that for someone like yourself who's kept tabs on it, it was brewing. It was bubbling here, and then it was expedited by, by the pandemic and everything that came with it. So, and I think you could see that in a few markets here. in Canada, that it was coming. Um, and if you are watching yeah. inventory, I, I mean, I'll call myself a simplistic guy. I'm a supply and demand, and I think that drives everything. You can talk all day long about what's Preaching driving it yeah. and, you know, what's, yeah. what are the problems and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if there are not enough houses to buy for people that want to buy them, like, you know, you look at places, you get 30 offers on it. Well, 29 other people want to buy that house. So if you don't have that, yep. guess what's going to happen to prices? And yeah, like your market, you could see the freight train coming down the tracks a few years ago. Um, Montreal, same yeah. thing. I mean, they got half the listings they'd normally have. Uh, would you say that 4,000 listings you had, was that a inventory heavy situation or is that your balance? That was probably a little heavy at the time. Now we've grown a lot in population since then too, right? I mean, we mm. were adding 20,000 people a year, well, I think netting about 12 the last couple of years. Yep. At the time, that was certainly heavy. I think, gosh, what could we support right now? Um, oh, we could easily support that. I mean, I think uh, I, I think pretty close to it, at least. Yeah. Um, we're, we're at a point now where it's like a house per neighborhood that goes up for sale, and it's just Oh, I mean, I, 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 I have a listing right now that we've had somewhere around 33 showings in three days. Oh. And when we, when we <laughs> sat down to look at it, uh, which we initially looked at it uh, in September or the end of September and we were planning for October. So, well, here's the deal. You live in the most sought after neighborhood, arguably in town, which is North and Halifax. And in the month of September, there have been only nine homes for sale in this area. Five of them are all sold. They all sold over asking. Two of them are conditional and two of them are active. So, and, and we're better than the ones that are active. So when we come to market, we will literally be the only game in town and you have a nice house. So we have 30 plus showings in, in a three day window and, and we'll get offers on it. Um, but yeah, it was kind of bubbling. Like there were times where I, I said this to an agent today, 
we're not that far removed from the average days on market being 97 days, um, where if you were doing really, really well, you'd be over 97% of ask price. But that's, as all mm. realtors know, it's like we used to have to reduce the price three times in order to get that 97. Mm-hmm. So we're like 97% of the ask price after we drop the ask price by 5%. <laughs> um, you know, we're not that far removed from a more balanced market. Um, but it certainly happened quickly because the gains that you're talking, losses that you're talking, we've realized that in about 18 months, um, which has really maybe made it seem just that much crazier. Yeah. That's crazy. It, 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 it happened very, very, very fast here. Um, and I just, I guess it's now there's a concern of it flipping back. But yeah. I just, I can't see it here because in Halifax, they are so slow. I don't even know if they're so slow, but it's just in general, like all the things are pointing, like where they're just not creating the inventory. So this is something that Chandler and I really got into yesterday, um, but we are not filling the inventory. So we're telling you all of these things, and there's really not that much new construction taking place to fill that void. And again, our underlying economic drivers, you t- you talked a lot about yours and how it's, it's heavily resource-based. Ours are pretty much recession resistant nothing's recession proof but again those hospitals aren't going to close the government's not going to close yeah the shipping industry is the one that's going to be really interesting when international trade might get a little dicey in supply chains and things like that yeah um but we've got some really strong um underlying anchors i guess to to our market here but it it, it has been a lot in a short period of time uh i think we have two questions before we wrap up yeah my first question is what is a rough rider (laughs) (laughs) uh you know what that is one of those things where i don't know if you if people followed cfl there were at one time two rough rider teams there was the saskatchewan rough riders which is one word and the ottawa rough riders Mm -hmm. which was two words and outside of where that comes from i honestly don't know the team's been around for over 100 years um and now if you do not cheer for the rough riders it's very tough to live in this province Um, my wife who's originally from ontario when she moved originally to prince albert she thought it was the rough raiders and very quickly learned that was incorrect (laughs) and then when we met i'm a big football guy and she had no choice but to accept that football is a fantastic sport and i'm going to live bleed die rough riders and the sport what's that helmet in the background what's that what's the helmet in the background oh the helmet that is the university of saskatchewan that's why i went to university and played there yeah that's what i thought the other huskies yes the the, the green dogs and the sea dogs I think we met in the Vanier one year, and it was like Huskies versus Huskies. Yep, it did happen. No I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think St. Mary's won. I think so. That would have been about the mid-90s, I think sure. that was, roughly. Uh, early 2000s, I think. So, somewhere, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, it could have been there, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> second question is something we like to talk about a lot here is just um, what success means to you. I mean, obviously, you've built a really great business, both selling, and then you've got this uh, you know, online presence, if you will, and you've got a team yep. and you're coaching and all these things. But we do these endeavors because we're entrepreneurial and because we enjoy them, but also this idea of, of success. So what does success mean for you? Success business-wise, ooh, this is going to be fun. Uh, for me, it's going to sound almost a little weird. I am less motivated by the bottom line and more motivated by my lifestyle in terms of if I have accomplished all the things I want in my to get me what I want in my lifestyle – I'm happy with that. And so that means for me, spending time with my family, I love coaching football, so being able to do that. Um, but I also really enjoy helping people in the business in terms of but working with buyers is fun. It's a lot of work, but it is a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, listings. Yeah, it's true. 
in yeah. a hot market or really fun in a not so hot market or a fun <laughs> challenge, we'll call it that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the channel, honestly, this is growing way more than I ever expected it to. I figured nobody would want to watch some generic bald guy talk about real estate, and yet for some reason people do. And my terrible jokes, yeah. people seem to like for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, I... that's what I forgot. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot at the beginning we were supposed to start this with a terrible joke. You're going to send us out on a terrible joke. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> okay, well, I actually, I'll give you one to finish it off when we get to that point that I just got from a client. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, and the, the channel, it's just, I just want to have people understand the market, understand what the buying process is like. I've always found it when I meet with buyers and you guys see the same thing. They're going, where do I start? What do I do? And they're doing their research online and they don't know like what is good, what is bad. And there's, I mean, you just put in Google, what do I need to know to buy a house? Well, there's so much difference between markets. What is common mm. practice yep, for you 100%. guys is not yep. common practice for us. You know, like I'm sure you guys are probably still writing some conditional offers, but not nearly as many. Whereas us, that's standard. You're writing full conditional offers. Um, you know, Toronto, mm -hmm. that would be laughable to write a conditional offer on a place. So, you know, talking about those nuances mm -hmm. in the market and, and teaching people, that's just what I wanted to do, was educate people so we can give them as much information and they feel like an informed consumer when they're going through that process. I like it. I like that answer a lot. I feel like you're also achieving that. I think you're getting, you're achieving the success that you want. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what, why we started this. I mean, way back when the first episode's like, well, why are we doing this? Like, you know, to yeah. genuinely try to help people and, and, um, exchange ideas and hopefully learn a bit. And, um, you know, the one thing about real estate is everyone loves to talk about it. It's really pertinent to everyone's life and it can be a lot of fun, even though it's stressful and all that stuff, but, but it's yeah. good. Yeah. So do you have a good joke to yeah, send us out get, on? Yeah, so you get hit with the joke So now. the one I got just a couple of days ago from a client, they actually emailed me. They saw my channel. They emailed me, and this is how they started their email. And they said, um, what does the British real estate agent like most? And the answer was his proper T. Oh. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> um, well, you got one? Well, I I'll do try. not. I don't Neil have, have one. one? No. All Neil's jokes that's are bad. You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my kid's got one, and he goes... Um, where do you find uh, where do you find a no-legged dog? Right where you left him. Oh. <laughs> right where you left him. Oh. There you go. Oh, there no. you go. Courtesy of Randy. Uh, I think that's oh. probably our time. Listen, okay. right. now, thoughts, now, but... now I'm going to have to give you a joke. Give me a second. Okay. I had one sent to me as well the other day, and I just tried to <laughs> try to avoid it. But now, it's now it's, it's we're, we're, we're going low. Right, we're yeah. going low here, so it's gonna it's gonna happen. Matt, what's a typical day look like with you, where you've got so much on the go? Well, Neil looks this up. I have it up. Okay, so my normal day would be up in the morning. Uh, usually my dog goes to school actually two days a week, so that's often when I'm taking her to school. My wife works weird hours, so that's always tough. Um, I try to get in the morning done, uh, stuff for the channel, touch and base on my listings, buyers, that time, looking what's out there. Afternoons is often meeting with people. Uh, evenings or early evenings, I coach from four to six, and then after that, it's showing all night long. Uh, like tonight, I've got supposed to have team photos at four o'clock. I got five o'clock showings, seven o'clock showings, eight o'clock right now an offer. That's pretty typical for me. That's the life, man. That is That's the, the life. life. Yeah, we Fun can relate. Does. That's one thing that isn't different across the <laughs> yeah, country. Yeah, it never changes. <laughs> is that if you want to be a realtor, that is the life. All right, Neil, wrap right, us up here. We're what gonna wrap got? it up with this badass joke. If you get attacked by a bunch of clowns, what do you do? Ooh, get attacked by. I don't know, man. What do you do? You go after the juggler. 
I like it. That's good. That's good. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Check out Matt's uh, handle. Bald Prairie Real Estate. Yeah, we'll we'll link it as well. And uh, much success to you, buddy. I hope uh, things continue to go well out there. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. We'll check in. We'll check in with you again sometime and see sort of what's changed. How the markets have changed. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, Kind of a not recap, but a revisit on this and see what's different. Absolutely, absolutely. Matt, what's your Instagram handle too? I don't know if I have that. What was that? Uh, I am Matthew underscore Pfeiffer underscore Realtor on that one, I believe it is. Or it's real estate. I can't remember. I'll, I'll have to send it to you, actually. I don't even know yeah, my we'll Instagram handle. Is that bad? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All good. So thanks again for coming on. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. If you have some questions, let us know. Leave us a comment and we will we'll touch back. We'll touch back on them. Sorry. Perfect. All right. Thanks again, man. Thanks, thanks guys. Matt. Cheers. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.